nationality is fake. Oh, Korea is fake. Everything's fake. It's just like nationality doesn't even. Are you recording? Nationality doesn't even really. Sorry, nationality doesn't really exist. Nationality is just an idea, and heritage is just an idea. But the land masses that we are from uh-huh. are, um, you know, they have racial makeup. So that's what that they discovered. So it, it's really, it's just about um, <clears throat> the idea of race and uh, the way that people look different all over the world. And then they call themselves a certain ide- identity. It's not real. You know, it's like we have racial characteristics because we originated from an area that we evolved from, but the borders and everything are decided by people. Well, right. That's, I've, that's what I've said. I've kind of have an issue with flags because it makes borders seem real. And borders aren't real. Right. All that is. What's the difference? It's 10 and feet. 10 feet. You're in a totally different wor- no. world. And borders bookstores no longer. <laughs> it's justice. That is we, we've been doing justice. the... Co- Poetic justice. We've been doing cold opens lately. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's, uh, like, it's like mid-chat. People think, oh, did I cue this up wrong? Yeah, what and then happened? they go, what happened in the beginning? Uh, we were doing the cold opens. This is a trend. It's been trendy. Yeah. Last uh, couple of ep- episodes. It's like you've snuck into the room and you're in, 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 in you know, listening from behind a door. Like, what, what are they saying? <laughs> what is that? I kind of like podcasts. I like podcasts that do that. You know, it's kind of like, oh, oh they, they, they're already bonding. Well, yeah, we're yeah, already in the yeah. middle. Yeah. It's kind of um, like walking in on a, conv- a conversation at a, at a coffee shop. I know. It's like, right. oh, who's it? Is that the listener? Come on in. Come on in. Get in here. <laughs> We've been waiting for you. Sorry, we started without you. We started without you. It's very Three's Company. Yes, that was exactly what that was. I am. Two notes. Yeah, I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> I'm Margaret Show. This is the Monsters of Talk. I'm here with my co-host. Hi, I'm Jim Short. Today, uh, we are in Atlanta, Georgia. And, 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 you know, it's been a great day, actually. We've got, we've got quite a lot happening today. Mm. And then, um, and this is no less exciting. We have uh, somebody here who I know very well, who is a great comedian, also a uh, proprietor of the Laughing Skull Lounge, where we are doing our shows, amazing shows this weekend. Um, but, a, a, you know, also truly a great comic in his own right. Uh, we have with us today, Marshall Childs. Hey, guys. <laughs> <laughs> What's How you going doing? on in here? <laughs> it's awesome. And, and so, I mean, but it's not just the Laughing Skull Lounge. Now there's another one. There's a satellite. Well, so I, uh, so I own the Laughing School Lounge in Atlanta, and then I also part owners of Morty's in Indianapolis, which is a great club as well. That uh, Oh, I didn't know about that. Yeah, so about a year, two years ago, uh, me and a buddy, Steve Hofstetter, went in there and kind of helped them out and started fixing it, and now it's successful and doing well. And then Steve lived in New York City, and so he said, hey, let's open one up here. So we now own Laughing Devil in LI, um, LIC, just over the Queensboro Bridge. Right. Which is near um, uh, Silver Cup and Studios. Our la- yes, exactly. It's right around the corner from yeah. Silver Cup. Yeah. And um, so the, our landlord up there is a huge fan of yours. Oh, that's nice. So the, Steve was like, do you think Margaret could come up here and be part of the opening up? Maybe we'll get a discount. And I was like, I don't think Margaret gives a shit about saving us 10% on rent. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I would, but it's one of those things where I'm a kind of, it's, it, you know, for me, like New York is such a big market. And then there's a weird... You know, sometimes I can't do things in cities that I do big shows at. Like right. if I go to 
Like if I go to New York, I I would like to play Radio City Music Hall again, and you know, and uh, that then if I if I have those ambitions, then it really um, it it I I behooves me to actually be totally in it kind of out of commission, like totally under the radar, not visible at all. So it's not only like I can't play there, I can't play anywhere. I can't do sets right. at all. Well, that makes sense. Which is hard. Did you I say, find it did really you say hard. Radio City Music Hall again. Have yeah, yeah, played I played before? it a few times. Oh wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's fantastic, and um, yeah, you know, it's over six thousand seats, and it is quite an expensive ticket, and it's like something that you have to really rev up like a year before. You have to have your show so tight by the time you get there, it's and awesome. Well, it, it's awesome, but it's also like a huge, heavy responsibility, yeah. even more so than like Carnegie Hall, even more so than like Hammersmith Ballroom, even more so, I mean, Radio City, you know, if you have, like that, that's where I always want to do it, yeah. but I have to really prepare, and then, uh, uh, I can't even, I shouldn't talk about this. I'm not gonna say who it is. <laughs> Another very, 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 very much more famous than me, comedian and I, got kicked out for smoking weed. Of Radio City? Yeah. Wow. After a tremendously successful show. So it, it was your show? Uh, it, it, well, I was part of it. Oh, yeah, part of a show. I was part of a on. show okay. with a very, very famous person. Who kicks you out? The Rockettes? Do they all like <laughs> step and kick your That's... ass out of the place? <laughs> yes. Like a cartoon? <laughs> Almost right. In a, in a line. In a kick line. And it, so yeah. the person had performed, it was after the show, and then they smoked weed and got kicked out? She and I smoked weed together. So it's a she. We have figured that now she. you've revealed, now we're down to I don't wanna, half, I don't, the, half the population. <laughs> but the then world. it comes to the comedy world, very, very famous female comedian who played Radio City. Right. All right, listeners, that go Google that smokes shit. Smokes weed. Yeah, but uh, also, um, one of us were, was not billed. Okay. Oh. So um, it was a secret surprise. One of us was a secret surprise. Anyway. Anyway, that doesn't matter. You got kicked out. We got kicked out um, by uh, the uh, uh, staff there who also didn't want to kick us out because he understood that we had just done a huge performance there. But, you know, he didn't want to lose his job. If, you know. What, 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 is, what is it? Is, is it like. You can't be the first people to, or is Radio City so sacrosanct that you can't smoke weed there? I think you just can't. You know, there's certain places, and I think, you know, in general, at rock clubs, it's sort of, you can do whatever you want. Right. But um, at a place that is so, it's hollowed ground. You know, like Radio City Music Hall, it's got such a tremendous, iconic history that, you know, you can't sully it with your fucking stupid drugs. I know worse shit has happened. But you think of like 30 Rockefeller Center, mm-hmm. the amount of drugs that have happened in there. Right. Uh, uh, only like from like... As we speak as, we speak. as a listener listens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> still. But it's specifically the Belushi era of Saturday Night Live. Right. It was just rampant, you know? But that's... but that's is that is that some Bloomberg thing? Like no 16-ounce Cokes and... No smoking weed at Radio City. You know what the greatest thing is? I think he is? ran on that, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah, no, no weed. I will clean the up weed. the weed in Radio City Musical. What about like the no smoking law? And, and, and Bloomberg actually wanted them to ticket Keith Richards for smoking on stage. Really? Like, are you fucking kidding? You're going to go tell Keith Richards he can't smoke 
on stage. Oh my God! That's you an artistic asshole. expression. That's where you. That's where you get around the law. That's that's like art. You can't really now. You're telling an artist that he can't do something. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, you can't Keith Richards. I mean, that don't you can't tell Keith Richards what. You can't tell Keith Richards not to do anything because he's he's gonna you can't do tell it. Not to kill because if he wants somebody out, then they probably. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, well, anyways, that's interesting about Radio City Music Hall. I, uh, you know, we have that rule here at the Laughing Skull because we, the green room backs up to the condos. And so, oh, yeah. like, if that weed smell waffles underneath the door, yeah. you can't do that. Or even in the basement and stuff like that. Well, it's understandable. That's I mean, understandable. I can understand like, if you're it. backstage, way in the back of a theater, you don't have to worry about anybody smelling it to call the cops. Because right. more likely the cops are already there. And you're paying them. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> what's the What's the rule in Georgia? Is it Is it okay? I mean, I don't smoke any weed, so I don't know. I know that in California, it's pretty okay to do it. In Washington State, Colorado, they just basically said, "Yeah, just go do that shit." Well, you know, you know, it's still illegal and still frowned upon. And like, I was just in LA not too long ago, and almost, you know, about three or four of the restaurants we went into, and I was eating at really nice restaurants. You walk in and with a waft of marijuana smell and nobody's looking around except for me. Like, wow, do you smell this? And my cousin that I'm with, he's like, yeah, it's not a big deal. You're in California. Remember know, that? Right? I'm like, damn, this place is awesome. The weed, the, like the, the weed dispensaries. It's so weird. You drive down, it'd be like donut shop, uh, you know, such and such thing, laundry. And then like that medical, like green, like the Red Cross, but green. Right. Like they sell weed in there, like in neon, like this is weed shops. It's just so bizarre. Yeah. I look forward to that day here in Atlanta. Yeah. Which, you know, I, I, they, it's just a matter of time. It's such a dumb law. It's just, you know, it's, I think it's, you know, I can't remember who I was talking to in regards to comedy. It's like, and I think it was, we were discussing Bill Hicks and just people like of that genre that, you know, the re, if, when you're on the side of right, it's timeless. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like being right is timeless. You it's know, what, true. What Lenny Bruce talked about back right. then in the 60s and 50s is true today because it's, it's true. Absolutely. And, you know, and so then that whole thing of like, really, marijuana, you're going to arrest people for that and now you're going to fight. You know, that's just like, it's like Kodak trying to fight the electric camera. Sure, you make a lot of money on film, but fuck you, things are changing. You can't yeah. stop it. Yeah. I liken a lot of stuff to that, by the way. <laughs> well, you're a very righteous individual. I mean, you, you are probably one of the most princi principled people I know. Really? You're quite, you're quite Buddhist. Do you, are you a Buddhist? Um, in practice, but not... I mean, like, I, yeah, I've got my mala necklace that mm -hmm. I wear a lot. Um, I mostly use it just to say my, you know, on and off. When I take it on and off, I say my um, mission statement. So I guess it's kind of like Buddhist slash uh, seven habits. Yeah, a, a bit of a Stephen Covey. Yeah, exactly. Spiritual. So that's a weird mix. Well, I mean, there, 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 there's, there's actually there's elements of Mormonism that I find really interesting because Mormons are very, it's a, they're str it's a strange religion. It is born out of quite a racist past. Yeah. However, um, they are some of the kindest people that you will ever encounter. Yeah. Like they are um, just nice you know in a deep way and uh like they're not like looking behind you to see who's better who's mm. who may they they, they may want to talk to more than you uh they're not um checking their phone like me 
I'm actually checking my phone because somebody somebody's coming over to podcast also. So <laughs> I have to let them in. Also, I'm trying to make sure that my parents are still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mormons are, are very present in a way that is really remarkable. So even though I really, really do not like a lot of what they've done, they're responsible for Prop 8. Yeah. And, 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 in the and, political arena of what, they, what they've done. Yeah, yeah right. the leaders are shitheads. I mean, that's like a scam. You, do you know about the Golden Salamander and how they had all that stuff in the prior books where it said that, like, you know, Joseph Smith was kicked out of the state of New York for being a con artist. Did you know that? He was no, I didn't banned know. from the state of New York. Hmm. He used to tell people, hey, you give me money, I can look in my hat and I can tell where there's gold buried on your land. And so after so many of those and getting arrested for being a con, they then getting convicted too many, like three or four times, the state of New York said, get the fuck out. So then he leaves and he starts Mormonism, but he said he, he was illiterate. So he would um, said that it actually came from a golden salamander would talk to him. And then he would tell this dude that could write. And, um, and so then it turned into gold tablets because what happened was and around the 1970s, uh, late 60s, the, the Mormons said, man, we've got to change the story. We can't tell everybody it was based on a fucking golden salamander. Yeah. Right? And so there are books out there. Like, if you had a book right now that had the story, a Mormon book, and it talks about the golden salamander, and you put it on eBay, they will pay you a fucking million dollars because they are just like Alanis Morissette's first record, just fucking act like it didn't happen. You know? And right. coming out with Jagged <laughs> Little Pill. They just want to like quieten that up, huh? Right, exactly. What they change it to? That he found golden tablets. Isn't there some story that like Jesus was in America for a while? Yes, and, left, and like left some of the. Oh, you know, there were some parts of the Bible, but I left the rest of it here. That's is, what is that based part of off it? of? Is that the Jesus came back over here? And then there's a staircase in Santa Fe, New Mexico, that was built in the 1800s. That's not doesn't. It's a spiral staircase. It's beautiful. I've seen it. Um, and it. I've seen that. Right. And there's not a nail in it. And it happened. And this guy came when they were building the church in the middle of the night. And he was a carpenter and said, hey, I'll just build this spiral staircase for you. And he didn't get paid. And he left in the middle of the night. And like supposedly carpenters can't replicate it today. You know, so that's, so interesting. that's so part that was of the allegedly Jesus. Was, right. That's part of the argument that he came over here. Um, but, I, but you can see where the nails were in Jesus. Right. <laughs> Is that horrible? I'm just so <laughs> shitty to say that, right? No, 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 no. I love. He said, "I'll never work with nails again." <laughs> I know, right? It's like, yeah, I know. I'm not into nails. I'm just not into nails. I use a little bit of wood glue and. <laughs> Jim's a fucking genius. You you don't know? Uh, there's no nails in there. Yeah, no. just, uh, just uh, don't bring up nails to me, thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah doesn't doesn't need it. Does he just doesn't need it, honey? Honey. And then and then, and then this just, man opened up a nail I, shop next to it. Uh, just so people could get their nails. Fucking ironic that a carpenter gets hung by nails. <laughs> um. Uh, well, first, okay, let me just go back a little bit. Um. First of all, everybody knows the fucking pot of gold is at the end of the rainbow. So exactly, why are Mormons so anti-gay? If it's a fucking rainbow. <laughs> oh, These know. fucking motherfuckers. However, despite all of the chicanery, <laughs> they are f- some fucking nice ass people. And there's a lot of hot bitches in the Mormon religion. Well, you know, yeah, because I mean, like Marie Osmond, who is a pers- close personal friend, so sexy, still in her mid 50s, late 50s, such a beautiful woman. And I think it is really the, the, the clean living. Yeah. The no caffeine, the no alcohol. The, the high no- altitude, the skiing, the mountain biking, the lies. <laughs> the inbreeding. <laughs> the teeth. 
the teeth. Those people are some, they, they are some really uh, good looking people. But anyway, you seem like a religious man, even though you are not a, you are not a, 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 a sort of conventional, what we perceive as a religious man. I've always perceived you as a religious man in my mind, a spiritual man. Oh, well, thank you very much. I, I, I do uh, try to have a spiritual understanding in the sense of quantum physics, which is science. And it's basically, we're all energy beings. We're connected by energy. It's just a different form. We're all atoms. 99.9% .9 of atoms are empty. The space between atoms are 99.9% .9 empty. We are 99.9% .9 not here. That is a fucking scientific fact. It just happens to be that these molecules move so fast they take different forms. And so what is that 0.1% is actually what we're experiencing. And so that 99.9% .9 is the shit that we don't know and it's that connective energy and it's the time and space being one and it's the universe being the size of a golf ball kind of shit. Mm. So, yeah. But just that, I mean, do you think that comes from your martial arts background? No, because I was studying this stuff before I started really getting into martial arts. Um, and that, did it draw you to that sort of infinite kind of thinking? Yeah, because it is a, because martial arts isn't about fighting. You know, it's about really physical, mental, spiritual. That's balance. what I mean. That yes, it, but yes, but so it is that is a kind of infinite, and that's what I sort of think about. I actually think about the laughing skull is actually it's a dojo. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. You know, it's like a dojo. It's like a stand-up comedy. <laughs> so am I the Shihan? Dojo. That you never see? I'm the old guy with the beard that never shows up. Well, you're you're like one of the one of the masters who is there and then but you you your presence is felt all the time even though you're not physically there. When you're there, it's there and you know when you're not it's not you're there. I mean when you're not there it's still there. That's cool. So but you've created a dojo. Yeah. And I think that really comes from your martial arts background and it comes from your infinite kind of thinking. Well, thank you very much. I'm flattered that, you know, a couple years ago, I had to realize that the Laughing Skull Lounge was cooler than me <laughs> because it's got such this reputation. And I was like, and so many people talk about it. I was like, wow, that's, that sounds like a really cool. Well, you know. it's, there's a lot of cool elements to it. It's not just a um, club, though. It's a festival. Will you yep. talk to Jim about the festival? I think Jim should do your festival. Well, and I'll just say this. It, it, you can think of it as cooler than you, but without you being part of it, 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 it you're entwined with that. Because it, it wouldn't exist without you. Yeah, it's like your child. Yeah. So yeah, it might be in, you know, but you could still have that room and run it badly and it could be shittier than you. Yeah, that's true. I mean, so, I, it, you, you know, you have some place in that. Well, thank you very much. And, I, and I've thought, you know, I'm, you know, I've got married two kids. I've got all this other stuff going on. I, you know, I can't sell it. Who am I going to sell it to? Who would, who, would pa who would I pass it off to? Right. I mean, there's probably three people in the world that I don't even know in my head who that would be that I would actually feel comfortable saying, yeah, you could, you could, do, you could do it the right way. You'll just have to gift it to somebody one day. I probably would. That's and I, and I would I'll tell you how you do it. I know how. No, 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 no. No, there's a, there's no, a wonderful, there's a wonderful guitar store um, that is a legendary guitar store in Los Angeles called McCabe's. Uh -huh. And there's a lot of musical history uh -huh. that has come out of there, a lot of folk music. And um, the owner was crazy and was heavily into macrame. And one day decided to leave. He was done with this business. So he, he uh, what did he do? He wanted to, he wanted, he decided he was going to just give it to one of his trusted employees who I think he knew would run it The way as that he well. should. But his, he just decided, he just left. But he just left uh, hanging 
a macrame cock. <laughs> and that was, the, that was the sign that I'm gone and this is you now. Here's, here's the key. Here's the key. Here's the real key to life. My cock. This macrame cock. What color? Grab my cock my, what, and run with it. <laughs> <laughs> and what color thread did he choose for this cock? I we don't know. know. We don't know actual? about that. We don't know because um, they don't know where it is. They don't know where it is. So who ended up taking it over? Um, the employee. Yeah, some great employee that, you know, there were a few people involved in it, but this guy was knew about, you know, fixing guitars and making guitars beautiful and, and really ran it. And, and now I guess now that guy is in Northern California running a nudist colony. Right. With, he, he graduated from macrame cocks to actual cocks. <laughs> He's just, you know, that was just, but, but apparently you know that. he makes macrame cock holders. Like there's like those things you've seen before, like jokes, like keep your like dick a tea in co- bo- Like a tea cozy. Like yes, a- exactly. But it's one that fits the balls and the cock. cock and you cozy. Could tie, I guarantee you could tie it so it stays tight. Mm-hmm. Like you could just set, slide everything in. Mm-hmm. Has a little button. and I It's real Etsy. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody has an Etsy store <laughs> where they are working real hard to make those. Ball warmers is what I think they are called. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's the it's the ski mask for the other area. Yeah. <laughs> it's a ski mask for rapists. I don't know. If the oh dick is wearing a mask. <laughs> dick in a mask. That's a new Justin. So anyway, Justin that's, Timberlake. that's just uh, you know, uh, w- and we were told this story. Yeah. But that's just one way to gift the yeah, business to, gift it. to somebody but else. But McCabe's is probably the closest thing I could think of to what the Laughing Skull is, and McCabe's like is such a spiritual. It has it houses some of the most valuable, beautiful guitars in the world. Wow. And in the showroom, all of them are hung on the wall. And when a performer is on stage and the moment is right mm. when they're playing, all of the guitars will harmonize. They're all, all the strings will vibrate. On stage? Do they have a stage at McCabe's? Yeah. yeah there's a, little, a showroom. little showroom in the back. Wow. Yeah. So that is unbelievable. They, are you... Man... So I played there We're with Jill Sobule. Santa Monica. You should... Santa Monica. Santa Monica. Monica. Yes. That's a stand hermosa when yeah. I go out there. So, I mean, that'd be perfect. Yeah, just go to McCabe's and just check out. Fuck like, it's yes. usually John Doe does a lot of shows there. We did a show there with Jill Sobule and Wayne Kramer from the MC5s um, and Dan Wilson. Uh, but, you know, like, that's kind of... I think um, Joni Mitchell used to do a ton of shows there. Peter, Paul, and Mary. You look on the wall of all the people who've done... Sh- it's mm-hmm. Spinal Tap... Um, our mate Billy Bragg. Bill, our, our very good mate Billy Bragg. So, um, so that plays into what I was saying before about energy. Is that like that's what's happening on that stage when that energy hits right? All mm-hmm. the guitars line up. Yep. You know what they, You know I don't know if you guys know this, but you can take two pitchforks of different tones and hit them together, and you get them next to each other, they'll eventually harmonize. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's what happens with humans. That's why it's important to be conscious of who you're spending time with and what you're spending time with, because your table has a memory. You know what I mean? Right. So, and also the places, you know, it's like conduits, like the regular energy. So here's something about, I've studied a lot about this energy, you know, energy that comes in our house and makes these lights, they still don't know a hundred percent of how it works. But one thing they do know is that for every one positive, you have to have equal one negative. And so when I learned that, it kind of messed me up because I was thinking, does that mean for every good deed I do, there's an equal bad deed, which there's a lot of people that get stuck on this. Mm. And so I started more, studying more into quantum physics and I found out and then in quantum physics, for every one negative equals a thousand positives. Hmm. So that's how the energy that makes us work. We have to have negatives. 
It's yeah, I mean, I think that's right. And I think that in like the laughing skull, that's you have to have negatives. You have to, you know, I've had some really difficult nights in there. And I've also had some of the greatest nights in there. And I think it, it isn't in equal measure. There's a lot better. There's a lot of great nights, but the bad ones stick in my mind. And I learn a lot like um I, I, and that's why I think it, it's such a great comedy room because it is it is a sort of a microcosm of comedy. It is very controllable. You can actually kind of look at every single audience member. Yeah. If somebody's texting, you know, you fucking call them out, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it, a living room set. That's how it, it feels. Is. Yeah. It's very and it's comedy in miniature, in <laughs> a lot of ways, and and that is so beautiful and important. It is very important, and, and I'm saying that, I agree. I, when I first found that room, I was like, "This has to be for comedy. This this comedy needs this type of more of these rooms, and more rooms have come after the Laughing School Lounge. There's several that I've heard of that have opened up that's figured out the formula. And and one of the things also I focus about comedy is, and I, this is my belief, is that if you get, it's like I think it, I could use the analogy, comedy is like mountain biking. When you get done mountain biking, if you're not bleeding, then you really weren't mountain biking. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, at the end of your, you know, you, sh- there's, you have to fall in comedy in order to really do it right. Right. You know? And that's good. I mean, I think that's really, I mean, and I think it's really good. Is there any performance-enhancing drugs used in either of those situations? <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> kind of a Lance Armstrong of comedy type thing? I'm sure. <laughs> there's a lot of blood transfusions that do happen in the green room because you can't smell that outside in the yeah, context. Yeah, right. <laughs> How you want to get high? Blood transfusion, there you motherfucker. Go. <laughs> What I mean, what do you think like is the spirit of that place? Why do you think it works so well? I think it's because it's just the right size. You know, it is a crowd. It is enough. Whatever you know, like last night we had we we over We had like over a hundred people in there, which was kind oh, of shit. over. It was kind of fucked up. That was my own fault. But the energy was so good, and then we had that one fucked up heckler, mm-hmm. and that first show. And I, and it, I was so angry, and I did not stop being angry until far long after I came home. I had to watch a couple male rape scenes on Oz mm-hmm. when I got home, just to calm down, just to, to calm bring myself yourself down to a level area in your mind. Like, okay, now I'm relaxed. Well, that's, yeah. That actually brought her up. That's how angry she was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was it, it it made me so enraged, and uh, well, it, it, partially because. The, you know, we're doing the show and then it was going really well. And then Kate Levering was on stage with me and Kate is seven months pregnant. And the whole point of the, this whole thing with having the band is, you know, I'm going to have the baby's first performance. So when the baby is old enough, he can go and watch this show and, and look, at, look at it on video and look at, listen to it and listen to his mom and his dad. Oh, that's awesome. And him in her belly. Yeah. You know, and that, that I wanted to give this gift to these people. They are very, very good friends of mine. And we sound really good. And, and then we had this, all this like banter before and the audience really loved it. And then this woman goes, not funny. And then nothing, nothing else. She didn't explain. I mean, if there's a heckler, usually I can go, all right, well, what's going on? Let's break it down. Let's, let's just get to the bottom of this. What's right. your issue? What do you object to? Right. Not funny. Not funny. That's all she would say. Not funny. Had nothing else to say. And and that and that I was mean she, was she referring to education? <laughs> because it sounds like <laughs> a fucking idiot. 
It was so upsetting, and it, I became so enraged because uh, it, if it was just me, I can deal with it. But no, this is not. This is like my fucking family, and it's a little baby, like not even oh, born yeah, yet, yeah, baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How can you fucking heckle a seven-month-old woman? And so it was like this was the dojo moment where I had to break the fucking brick, and there was yeah. the pain of trying to break the brick. Like, if when you don't try, you succeed. But I was trying. And I was so angry. And I, I kicked him out. I kicked him out. And I, my rage did not subside. Jamie helped me. Jamie is a tremendous, tremendous asset. Oh, he's a big reason why the skull is successful. He is the best. He deserves um, a, a guitar, actually. <laughs> a hugging guitar. I, I do believe I'm going to gift him one of my guitars at at some point because I think wow. he really he really deserves something great but he's helped us out so much mm-hmm. and he's a great guy but Jamie kicked him out um, but my rage did not subside for a long time and it sort of it, it, it just bloomed in me but it, it, it and then I realized and it, it's so dojo it's like you know when you just when you can't do something when you're in martial arts as I I, I, I was a, I was in a I'm taekwondo for approximately two weeks <laughs> and I, <laughs> got the uniform I'm out <laughs> I got my key and I had the white belt and I um, you know but there's things you couldn't do like when you when you couldn't approach something in martial arts and you can't do it isn't that the feeling isn't it rage that you feel well it depends on what how, why you can't do it you know what I mean right. like if you're still learning the technique that's different than if you know the technique and you can't pull it off then it's there's there's something else that's happening inside you the biggest thing about being uh successful with strikes and and falling and and blows is to relax yeah that's what it is i wasn't relaxed you have to relax that's a big parody of you know and also not only when you fall like if you it's just like a drunk in a car accident like the, that's why they survive because they're relaxed mm-hmm. so when you're being thrown if you tense up that's when you get hurt if you relax and it just you roll with it boom that's how it is even hitting like at lower level belts typically the females can make uh, more consistent, strong contacts than the males because the males are muscling it and the females are kind of working on form. And so, like, uh, the, you know, when you're holding a bag for somebody and they're just focusing on form and you feel a difference, then when they're like, okay, I got it, and they're, like, putting the power behind it, it's like, now, now it's gone weak. I'm barely feeling that. And it's, it's weird, not just... So even striking, even if you strike out to that heckler and you stay relaxed, you have more power. You know what it is? It's another thing I study is there's a great book. I told you about this, Power Versus Force. Hmm. if you become forceful it's not as, forceful is telling people what to do power is when they do it because you asked them hmm. and so you want to be powerful you don't want to be forceful and so power comes from love force hmm. comes from fear and hate right so even then in that heckler like i get it man i fucking hate hecklers and i hate women hecklers i think they're the worst but the reason why women hecklers are the worst is because you're not allowed to hit them so, right, you know, right. like, are you fucking kidding? <laughs> I'm a bigger animal than you, and you're going to say that shit to me in front yeah. of a fucking room full of people? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what is wrong with you? So, anyway, so, like, yeah, I get it. Mm. And so, it's, if you stay powerful, um, mm. you get a lot more done. But the, the, it was powerful, though, it, it, watching it, because I was in the back videotaping. Mm-hmm. You, you were like, I'm not having this shit. You just got to get out. You didn't yell obscenities at her. You didn't put it down. Mm-mm. You're just like, just get the fuck out of here. Just go. You need to go. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is, I don't know what her objection was. And if you've come to Margaret's show and you don't know what she does, then you're an idiot. 
Right. Because Margaret's right. outspoken and she's going to say, although there was nothing controversial being no. said, she just wanted to, you know, here's the thing. You, you have the right to not enjoy something. Mm -hmm. You don't have the right to make it known to everyone else. Right. Right. You right. can go outside you and say, leave. hey, I didn't like this or whatever. Or, you know, and the amount of shit that annoys me that I keep my mouth shut about is immense. But, you know, I, I if there's something I don't like, I don't watch it or I don't listen to it or whatever. But if I go to a live performance, I don't get to get stand up and go, uh, you know, I'm not into this. I'm I'm the one that's not enjoying this you everybody else seems to be having a great time but i'm gonna let everyone fuck off and get out of here just leave right. that's why there's a door that's the only right. art form that people think that's socially acceptable would you do that at a goddamn play i know right to be or no. not to nah fuck you no fuck you not funny not funny yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's a scene about suicide of course it's not funny not funny <laughs> but i mean it's like my normal tactic is to go to reason when i when i encounter hecklers yes I, I just go to reason. I like want to figure out what the objection is, and I want to I want an explanation. Well, you can you can get to the bottom of something. Like, what don't you like? What is, you know, what is the problem? This woman wouldn't say anything else. No, and 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 she just kept saying not funny, and it's like you can't do this because there's a show going on. Yeah, but then it was also that I wasn't alone, and I was trying to protect it. A family members a and a child. Right. Well, let me ask you this. So this is I've, I've dealt with and I think I've figured out was, so, you know, the ego, our ego exists and it's a, and it's a motherfucker and it's like an abusive boyfriend. If, if you try to let break up with it, it becomes at you stronger, right? Mm -hmm. So It's like Marky Mark and fear. Right, exactly. <laughs> and I look at it through a fisheye <laughs> fish lens. Um, so, exactly. So if you... Uh, Sometimes what I've noticed is when I let my ego subside and not express itself and not, you know, like, oh, yeah, well, fuck you. Do you know who I am kind of thing? Yeah. That's later on my ego pulls at me and punches me. On a, why didn't you do that? Why? So sometimes when I am that bigger person and I do kind of not allow the ego to take over, yeah. it beats me up later on for not letting it, it express it's itself. It's so hard on stage, though, because it's split seconds sometimes, right? Because you just, sometimes you're in such a performance mode that it's like, what is this? But also, anybody that pushes you to that point, I mean, you get heckled all the time if you're going to do stand-up. So there's so much that you, that you do roll with or, you you know, if people are on their phone, you know, it's almost like you can't say anything about it because it's so socially acceptable now to be a dick on your phone in the middle of a, yeah. of a performance. But... It's like if somebody gets you to that point where you lash out, it, they've really gone over the edge, you know. But that's one thing I'll say about your room, and and not, I'm not here sitting here trying to kiss your ass, but like, yeah, there've been a few people on their phones, whatever, because I think they want to take pictures of Margaret and then tweet them out immediately because right. that's it's means something to them. But it's it's be it's beautiful to perform in a in a small room. Because I started out in moderate-sized comedy clubs, and everything's such gigantic rooms now. And you don't get any intimate sort of uh, audience rapport or, or connection. To, you don't bond. You talk at people. And here right. it's like it's communing with a bunch of people. And, and the thing is, Margaret's called some people out on tweeting, and the crowd goes with her. Like, yeah, you shouldn't be in here tweeting. You do that in a 500-seat room while you texting 
the whole crowd around you is like, well, why are you being an asshole to her or to that person? Who's t-? Right. Like they don't get like it's a performance and that's not the behavior. You have a room where people come in going, yeah, that isn't acceptable. Yeah, and you know, um, we don't encourage it. We, we, or we, we discourage it when it happens. Yeah. But then another thing, so a few... But you've groomed a crowd to also know that this isn't right. Right. You have people coming in who know how to behave at a public performance, for the most part, you know. For the most part. Some, there's, uh, somebody slips through retail. everything. Yeah, You're still yeah. going to have to deal with the general public. Yeah. So, I mean, but, but we, that is the thing. Comedy clubs can, can train their audience, you know. That's why. That's exactly it. That's why there's a handful of rooms where everybody goes, you know, the great room, it's this one and this one and this one and this one, and your, yours always comes up. Well, that's awesome. I, I'm flattered to be I mean, it's the of, truth. It's yeah, not, I, I'm not bullshitting you. you yeah, know? yeah, and I, I know, and I, I appreciate it, and I'm, I'm flattered every time I get, hear that list and yeah. like that's crazy that i'm on that same that i'm in yeah. that same sentence but and that i'm not mentioned first uh, <laughs> <laughs> i know right now you're just like yeah that's what gets you yeah. like god damn it how come we're not the number one saying. right yeah that was the <laughs> but but that's the truth you can it'll it would always get me when somebody would open up a room in such and such town that would be maybe in a rural area and and i did it i did some shows in this one place i did the opening week and it was great because every cool person in the tri-state area came out. Thank God there's some entertainment around here. Thank God there's, you know, really cool, smart, literate. Because I don't care where you go. There's literate, smart people that want to be entertained. Yes. But instead, the people that started to book it thought, no, let's start booking in like really dumb acts right you know i mean the dumb low common denominator and not i'm not putting down other comics or whatever but you know acts that don't take a lot of um thought to get and then you go back there they're safe it's it's safe you go back a couple years later and now people don't want to listen to a setup that has too many words in it because it's like well we we're used to being it handed to us but they the the people who book it think well they're just dumb hillbillies down there so we'll just book this kind of shit because that's what they like no that's what they like because that's what you made them like right and you You get rid of all the great people you're hurting that community Mm -hmm. by not bringing in the smarter and better acts and and the better artists that's what it is you're not bringing the better artists so therefore that community is not getting the best art they should be getting and therefore that community doesn't understand what great art is right like i'm the dude that knows comedy yeah not fucking sally joe pill popping soccer mom right exactly right like she needs to look at me and go okay who should i see hey marshall who are laughing skull who who do you think i should be a no no who's here it's like oh jim short do you know about this dude what about you know kyle canane before he's anything i was yeah. booking mark maron you know obviously he was around a lot of time before his big podcast yeah. broke. yeah a brilliant the- a brilliant comic who's getting his Brilliant. He's getting and his um, due right now, but I mean, I've known Marin since '95. Yeah, and, and so like I remember the first time he came through the Laughing School Lounge, he had to tell me about his podcast. You know, and he's like, "Oh, put that on the credits." And I was like, "What is that?" And he's like, "Oh, it's my yeah, podcast." Right. People show up with the shirt. It's kind of a weird thing that's kind of taken off. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, "Okay." Same thing with Pete Holmes. You know, Pete Holmes is the eBay baby, fantastic comedian, great comedian, yeah. great dude, awesome. And I, I didn't even know he was the eBay baby voice. And so all these other clubs book, the eBay baby's coming to eBay. So they oh, get wow. all these crazy pill-popping soccer moms that are like, no, why is he talking about stuff that upsets my childhood <laughs> beliefs? And it's like, I, and he had to tell me, I was like, oh, shit, I guess I, no, I wouldn't. Why the fuck would I care that that's the thing? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so, that, and, and here, I think it's the UCB that has the rule that says our, uh, our audience is smarter than us. Let's remember that. And oh, so that's they, good. they come from that angle, which is, 
Which is great. I mean, it's, uh, it is unfortunate. One of the things I've often said for years is that one of the biggest problems with the comedy clubs is that most comedy club owners are in the business of selling, think, think they're in the business of selling chicken fingers. Exactly. It's, and, it's the, well, the restaurant business has kind of taken over comedy. Yeah, and they, it's like they, they don't really care who's on stage. Well, and they, to, to a large degree, they build these 400, 500 seat venues, like you started off saying a little while ago, and it does it. This, it's not what comedy needs at that level, and it's it's too much. It's kind of like, you know, you're building for an art form that is not mm-hmm. made for that. No, They're, it's not. And they, well, they, and then you get into you got to paper the room, paper, give out oh, yeah. all free tickets basically to fill it because when you got such a big room. You can't get 300, 400, 500 people every single night. And then you get clubs that are only open Thursday, Friday, Saturday or something like that. So half the week you're not even in business. It's, 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 crazy it's the weirdest model. model. Yeah, that, oh, I have it's, a killing, mo- it's killing comedy from within in, in some way. But that's why I think there's a great underground movement. And that's why podcasts and things like that are great because there's this whole audience. It's like the shit that's on TV and on radio and this and that. We, we want to hear the real conversations from, from interesting people. And that's why I think so many, com- so many podcasts are doing huge business. And they're in turn bringing people back out to clubs to see them. But more underground clubs and, and more sort of smaller rooms uh, where people really come and see a, an actual performance. Well, there's only a handful of percentage of people in our society that actually l- seek out art. Yeah, and so those are the ones that will tend to go to more see a comedian at a rock and roll venue. That's yeah. that's acceptable to them. The Sally yeah. Q housewife. That's what. Why, why would I go to the Earl? You know. Um, so that's digital media and the arts has taken out the middleman. So now there's no more filter of a TV producer going. You know, sorry. Yeah. People aren't going to hear about you. You know what? Fuck you. I've got a I got an iPhone with a recorder. Yeah. And make my own podcast. Right. You know, that's taken on the middle. The YouTube channel. You know, you got you can there's no more. There's no more of anybody telling you what to do. And that's and it's really upset the Apple cart. You know, like there's yeah. a lot of horse and buggy whips that are gonna go out of business because of the digital media. Yeah. And it's because it's those middlemen that used to, you know, it's that's those record producers that fucked over all the uh, artists, mm-hmm. you know. And how, now you know, no, I don't need you. You yeah. know what I can do is I can make a very great video on my own. I can make my own music. I can get it out there. I can get it heard if it's good and I strike a chord. Fuck you, you know. And so that's what's happening, and that's where we where we are. So that's why so many people are doing podcasts. So many people have YouTube channels. Yeah. And the ones that are making it are the ones that are legitimately doing it to produce content, yeah. not to build a fan base. Yeah. Well, it's creating. like it's if like you're creating it, for the right reason. That's part of like the the upside of it is people know, but it is it, it does create a fan base somewhat because people then know you from from something. And they and they especially if if you do a podcast, then they then they kind of really get to know you, right? More than like it's know you, you. you know when you know when somebody's on a TV show, and maybe their act is completely different from what they do on a because it's a network TV show, and if and it's it's a different version of that person. And then they go to a club, and people are like oh, we had no idea that that's what you were like. But if you know somebody through a podcast and through a bit of stand up, and you've seen the YouTube videos, you go oh well yeah I know what they do. That's why, I, that's why I'm going to go see them. Go back, call it back to that. Yeah. So it's just like the person going to see Pete Holmes because he's the eBay baby versus yeah. someone to go see Pete Holmes because they like his podcast. 
That's why I was going, oh my goodness, do we have a dog in here? Is that we, is a podcast We have a dog mascot? that just showed up. A puppy just showed up. Awesome. We have a punk rock dog just walked in the door. Punk rock dog. Punk rock, that'd be a good cartoon. Punk rock dog. Yeah, I was just thinking punk rock. It's girl. like one of those da, like da, uh, da, da. things on SNL, TV funhouse. Punk rock dog. Yeah. <laughs> Remind me, I might turn that under Laughing Skull TV. Do you ever have you seen any of our sketches on Laughing Skull? I need Skull to TV? do it. Bob was on here before, and we were talking about that because we were talking because I'd done some animations of um, like some stop motion animation oh, stuff, really? and then I've animated some of the podcasts, like like there's some stop motion um, keyframe animations. Like to see some of your they're on they're online. I can, I'll give you the the, the well, why don't you plug address. it for your podcast? The right now. YouTube uh, joke slinger. Uh, my mine is joke slinger and monsters of talk. Is uh, the, the actual one where the podcast uh, animations are? Oh, but yeah, awesome. Bob was telling us about that. I think that's great that you guys do a sketch every week. Yeah, and so you know what I'm actually doing now is I've figured out a way, and I'm working my way in with some big brands, you know, to make funny videos, a weekly web series for big brands. That's comedy. So I'm figuring out a way to get paid good money yeah, to yeah. make funny videos. Oh, that's cool. That's all I want to do. I just want to make funny content. You know, and that's beautiful because now I'm talking, you know, I've got some things in the pipeline that, you know, my dream would be to make a web series for Coca-Cola. And now I'm working with the guy that works with Coca-Cola. Oh, to that's try cool. To come up with a presentation. And it's, you know, that's, that's what's interesting. That's where it's really going. That's where, that's where there's a lot of um, uh, where the puck is going in comedy. Is like if you can figure out how to do all this stuff for brands, yeah. you can make a lot of money. Well, it's, it's the old business model but it's it's like you say cutting out. So instead of like the network getting a sponsor right. or, or somebody buying time on a TV show, you go, hey man, I'm the guy that makes the show. Right. Why don't we just work together? That's you brilliant. It. That's you brilliant. don't beg for you don't beg for the attention. You're not forcing it. You're, you're and here's the beautiful part about it on internet videos is you can't make it corporate centric content. It's just you're making your own shows. And it's based on kind of what you're you're focusing it on your brand. Like, hey, I my product's good for eighteen to thirty four year olds, males. Okay, great. Let's make a web series that entertains eighteen to thirty four year old males. And it's your web series with your name on it. And they're just gonna remember that you made them happy. And you get to do a call to action at the end. It's beautiful. Yeah. And also another beautiful thing about internet videos is the higher the production value, the higher the expectation. Yeah. So you can't make a fifty thousand or a hundred thousand dollar video because. You got to make this if you're, you know, then the script's one inch and the production's 10 inches. You want to make the script 10 inches and the production one inch because now it's about the content, the comedy. And so that's where I'm spending a lot of my time because I think that's where it's going. And like, that's what we're working with Bob and Laughing Skull TV. And we made a pilot for VH1's Best Week Ever that's gotten through the first couple channels. Oh, I like that. So, so that's the concept. Oh, I like that. I like that it's an in house almost like. Not just production company, but there's like a there's a live show element. There's there's online. There's movie making. You know, video making. It's almost like Mercury Players, Orson Welles kind of, you know, idea yeah, of is. like you guys doing your radio show and your this and that and making the movies and live productions. It's great. It's great. Yeah, because what we're doing out of the basement downstairs at Laughing School Studios is we have a weekly podcast, we have a weekly video series, and we also do radio commercials. We do funny radio commercials and stuff. So. <laughs> I'm sorry I had to leave. I had to let I had to go get um our next guest. Cool. So we must we must we must shut it down. Um did you guys do 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 you know that We're going to do the wrap up now. We're doing a wrap up. Um now Marshall uh w y y people can come see you. Where can they find out about your performances? Well, I mostly do the Thursday variety show 
because I can get up there and do weird stuff. That's where I came up with the idea of wanting to do a drag show because I don't know if I told you what I was getting into because was I would do motivational speaking on the variety show, like legitimate talking, wow. about, talking about the seven habits and power versus force. And, and there's a lot of gay guys in the audience and they're like, you're hot, take off your shirt. So it, got turned, <laughs> it turned into from day one, me stripping and doing motivational speaking. I'd be like, I'd take off one article of clothing if they let me get one point across Ooh. about what they need to focus on. So it's on. like sa- uh, that you're doing the dance of the seven veils. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. you're Salome. You bring me the head of a... <laughs> John the Baptist. John the Baptist. <laughs> and so then, or give John the Baptist head. Yeah, yeah I know. Now, now you're just giving a Baptist named John head. <laughs> <laughs> so then, so that that's Thursday nights at the Laughing Skull, ten thirty. That's the Brent Star Show. That no, uh, no live animals. Yeah. So that's mostly where I'm doing stuff because then I'm doing. I'm that way. I can just do whatever the fuck I want because I kind of. I'll be honest with you. I got tired of my jokes. And then I got tired of just going on stage and talking about my life and making it funny because that's where I was with my comedy. I mean, I have jokes. There's plenty of them and this, that, and the other. But because it's my club, I can do whatever the fuck I want and know I'm yeah. on the next show. And that's how I've grown. Well, so um, where can they, so do you have a website for... I'll tell you, if they listen to my podcast, Laughing Skull Lounge Podcast. It's on iTunes. Um, you know, it's on our website, laughingskullpodcast.com. Okay. I like our... TV channel as well, the Laughing Skull TV. Even though I'm not in it, I kind of help write it and I produce it, and I really like what we're doing there. Okay. So, yeah. And um, and uh, you know, and people should go to the Laughing Skull. It is our dojo, and yeah. you are a master. And you are Marshall Charles. Thank you so much, well, Marshall thank you very Childs. Much. Thanks, Margaret Cho. I love you, I and love you. Um, we love our listeners. Hey, you know what? Before we leave, can I tell a real quick story for your listeners and let them know how cool you I think you are? And like, yeah, absolutely. Kind of nice <laughs> Do you mind if I tell people about you? Please. Did, uh, I want to let. I really appreciate one of the greatest things that ever happened to me was what we when we went and met the Foo Fighters up in mm-hmm. Bamboozle, mm-hmm. and it was an interesting thing because you know you know Margaret knows I'm a big fan of Dave Grohl and I always wanted to meet him and she's like, oh, we'll make this happen, and so we flew up there on a Saturday morning, left at like six in the morning. Came back, was it that night or the next? Yeah. The next day. The next day at one, up from Atlanta to New Jersey. And it was just a, such a cool thing that you did for me and a couple of my buddies, we went up there. And the weird thing was like, you told me, you're like, oh, it makes me happy to do this because you know, I'm used to this. And it's great to see how excited you guys make this. That makes me happy seeing how happy it makes you guys. Mm-hmm. And then when I took my, one of my best friends, Steve Wiley, and he got to meet Taylor, the drummer, and Wiley's a drummer. And that was more exciting to me than actually meeting Dave, was actually watching my buddy meet his, you know what I mean? That's, it was really great. I mean, you guys were so excited. Uh, although Wiley was so excited to meet Dave Grohl that he high-fived Dave Grohl so hard that I believe he broke a tiny bone in Dave Grohl's hand. No, you're fucking kidding me. No. Um, because <laughs> afterwards, da- Dave gave him a big high five. Well, because he he had been um, preparing to high five him all day. Wiley's great and really a, an awesome, cool dude. But I think that he was so revved up, and also the the Foo Fighters did not arrive until almost directly before their set. So we had been there oh, for shit. the entire day, and 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 so the the force behind the high five, wow, was enough to um actually injure dave and um then they had to do the this two-hour show and then they had to get in a helicopter and go to saturday night live to back up mick jagger right for the season finale 
And so since then, I, I've, I've been a little bit reluctant to, um, you know, reach, because I, I, I had sort of loose pan, plans with Pat Smear and stuff, and, and you know, I'd, I'd have been talking to Dave, and I, I've been a little bit uh, upset about it because I was like, kind of scared because I think we would, you know, he may have hurt Dave's hand. Although Dave is so nice, he's not going to ever say anything. But, um, it, it, you know. Oh my gosh, I am so <laughs> sorry, Dave. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. I, I think. I think. Of course, he forgives you. <laughs> I love how it. It's now. It's changed. It was like a lovely story, and now it's like, oh, wait a minute. It, but everybody's okay in the end. Everybody's okay in the end, and and you know, Dave's fine. You know, obviously, you know, he's fine. Right, and, you right, know, right. you know, and, and Sound City is great. <laughs> Have you seen that that documentary? I haven't seen it yet, but I really want to see it. And it's powerful. I think it's great that he's getting into that. And and that was after the incident of the hand, so I think he's recovered. Okay, so it didn't hinder it didn't hinder his documentary. No, but that really it, what it shows is the 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 excitement that you guys had beforehand. That yeah. it was so, and what was beautiful to me is that I really saw the kid in you. Yeah. You know, like that thrill of. Meeting Santa Claus. Yeah, but <laughs> it, 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 meeting Santa Claus and Batman, and yeah. somebody from fucking Nirvana. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, to me, that was really joyful. And that he made Dave made all those videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and um, and then you guys kept you you guys kept on just rocking out. I mean, it's like every time anything would happen, you know, we went out on the stage to watch the the Foo Fighters. And we were backstage and I mean, kind of just watching, you know, from like, and we were there with Kevin Smith yeah. and there was a lot of like other sort of the rock royalty around us, the, you know, the guys from, um, uh, oh, fuck. I, why am I forgetting the whole steady yep. whole steady was there. And, um, that was for me that I love the whole steady so much for that. that I was standing with the whole steady and then with you and then Wiley and, um, Wilmot. Wilmot. <clears throat> and, um, oh, remember what Wilmot almost hooked up with that, uh, Jersey chick. She was like. He wanted to hook up with someone that would be on the Real Housewives of Jersey. Yeah. (laughs) And she fucking wanted him so bad. Yeah. She he asked her to give. She said she wouldn't do it, but he she was looking for someone to give him a blowjob in the bathroom. Mm. But do you remember how we how we got how Wilmot got us weed at the cafe? No, tell you can tell that story. Like, sorry, April. Sorry, April. Just one second. Just just tell just briefly, briefly. We were we drove into New Jersey. We were starving. And then I spotted a restaurant called The Kissing Booth. And it was a really, uh, it was a cool little diner. Yeah. And the food was delicious. Fantastic. And then, um, so then what happened? So one of the food items was you could get meat stuffed pancakes. You could have sausage or bacon. And so Wilmot and I both got that. And then afterwards, and the, so one of the women that was like the hostess was the mom. She's like, oh, this is my son's restaurant, blah, blah, blah. And then afterwards she comes up and goes, so what'd y'all think? And Wilmot's like, oh, this is great. She's like, can we get anything else? And Will's like, if you could get, if you could ask your son if he could sell us some weed, that'd be awesome. And she goes, she starts laughing. She goes, "What makes you think my son would sell you weed?" And he goes, "Anybody that comes up with meat-filled pancakes is smoking weed." <laughs> Within fucking ten minutes, we had weed. From her son. Wow. <laughs> well, Wilmot is so cool. Yeah. And I mean, it, you know, it, it was just a, a magical, magical weekend. Yeah, it was fantastic. You know, and and I, we, I wanted your listeners to know that you did that. That that's a really big thing you know that was fantastic and you gave 
three dudes, one of the greatest memories of their lives. And you didn't have to, you know, you were a busy person and this, that, and the other, and you just knew how much it meant. And I think that's fantastic. You know, well, you're a giving you. person and you're a fantastic am, person. Thank you. Well, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm grateful and you are a giving person and you are a fantastic person. And we, you know, thank you for giving us the time to oh. come and talk. Um, we adore you. And uh, you're the best. So thank you, Mar- Marshall Childs. And, and, and thank you to our listeners. I'm Margaret Cho. You can tweet me at Margaret Cho. You can tweet. Jim, where can they tweet you? At Jimmy Shelter. You can um, tweet us both at Monsters of Talk. You don't do Twitter, do you? I, do, I, go, I go through spurts of Twitter. But it's Marshall Childs. At Marshall Childs. Yeah, two L's and then like the country chili add an S to it. Okay. That's how you spell Childs. It makes it easier to remember. Well, it's like Tony Childs. But without a nose ring. Without a D and no nose ring. Right. Most people would spell Childs with a D. It's like the country chili with an S. It's like voodoo Childs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we love Marshall. We love the Laughing Skull. We love our listeners. You can, you can listen to us on SoundCloud.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, you know, we love you. Don't we love them? We love them very much. We love them. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you next time.